Hello, and welcome to Meditations from Middle Earth. My name is Strider, and I'm a Christian worker here in where I call Middle Earth. We love to meditate on God's Word, and He's given us so many unique and rich experiences here in Middle Earth, and I'd like to share those insights with you here on Meditations from Middle Earth. Today, I want to talk about one of my favorite subjects, uh, humility and the way of the cross. Henry Nouwen says that it takes a lot of humiliation to build in a little humility. And I really believe that those who proclaim the message of the cross proclaim it best by demonstrating a life of the cross. It's interesting, you can sit around and you can talk about passages like Philippians chapter 2, where we're to be like Jesus, who though being equal with God, suffered as a servant and denied his rights. And we can sit in a circle and we can talk about that. Uh, But when you go out day to day, how do we live that out? Today, I'd like to share one of my favorite stories having to do with humility, humiliation, and the way of the cross. It was way back in 2005, I was actually in in the U.S. at the time on home leave when a disaster hit Middle Earth. A flash flood came down a narrow valley down in the country of Mordor just to the south of Gondor where I live. And as it came down that narrow little river valley, it washed out 13 flour mills which were all lined up along that little stream and the little stream turning the wheels of those flour mills and it ground the flour for the entire region there around that little valley. So this was a really big disaster for those guys and we were called to come and help. Our team who were involved in disaster response at the time, we had a team of four guys and they went and checked it out. And as they were there in this very fundamentalist Muslim area, they gave away a New Testament in the local language. The locals got a hold of that and they said, oh my gosh, these people haven't come here to help us at all. They've come here to convert us and we have to kick them out right away. There was a big palava uh, and... I came back from America and we prepared a project to go and help those people anyway. One of the interesting things about the region here is that large trunks on trees are very rare. Trees are pretty rare. It's pretty arid country out here in Middle Earth. We had to find some really wide trees. Why? Because the way that they built their flour mills was they would have a put a tube on a, a chute really off the stream and that water would come down the chute, hit the uh, paddles that were put into this large piece of wood and turn the wood which would connect it to the stone which would turn the millstone and grind the flour. But there in northern Morador, there was no large pieces of wood to be used. Coincidentally, And no, I don't believe in coincidences. Coincidentally, we were working up in a little village in the mountains here in Gondor. And they had some large 
trees and allowed us to cut a couple of them down, chop up that wood into the size pieces that was needed for these flour mills, and we got them down there to the border. We also got some other lumber, and we also put together some cement and some tubes and some things that they would need to build their flour mills and repair some canals. And as all that was getting ready, we were trying to work on the permissions to go from Gondor to Mordor. That's a really difficult border down there. I live in a communist nation, and even though it has a Muslim population, and Mordor is a strict uh, Muslim country, and uh, they don't like uh, traffic between uh, one section and another. And there's a lot of uh, drugs and poppies in Mordor, and they like to ship them out through uh, our country and then to the rest of the world. And so our country is always trying to shut that down. So with all these difficulties on a very difficult border, we needed to try to put this humanitarian aid across the river. So for nine days, we went from the capital city to the regional capital, then back up to the little village that was across the stream from this, uh, this place where the disaster had happened, and we got all the permissions from the security services, from the army, from customs officials, from local government officials. Everybody's stamp who we could stamp, get a stamp on a document we got, and we got down there. Now, there was a bridge that went across this river, but it was 25 kilometers away. That's about 12 and a half miles to you and me, 12 miles or so away from village where the disaster had happened. And so the day before we were to put the stuff across, myself and two of my guys, Sam and Pippin, we crossed the bridge. And as Sam and Pippin and myself, we walked the 25 kilometers up over a mountain and down to that village while Frodo and Mary got the stuff together on the Gondor side and we rented a raft from a group called the Aga Khan, who is a religious uh, humanitarian organization uh, working there in eastern Gondor. And so we rented a raft from them to put this stuff across the river. The river is just 50 yards across. But here I am walking 25 kilometers up and over this mountain. And let me just tell you, it was brutal. I was ready to walk 25 kilometers, but it was 20 kilometers up, 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 and then five kilometers down, 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 down. And it was brutal. When I got there, it had taken five and a half hours to walk it, and I was completely soaked in sweat. My legs were cramping furiously. I was really, really miserable. And it was 10 o'clock at night. We got into the home of the guy that we were going to stay with, we were met by all the government officials from the local region, the local sheriff, Saeed's uh, nephew, the student, the local school teacher, the local commander for the militia, the mayor of the village. About 12 guys poured into the room, and all I wanted to do was go to sleep. <laughs> and chill out and stop sweating and there they all were saying last time your guys were here you gave out that book 
and now it's a big problem. And I said, guys, don't worry about it. We are not going to pass out any more books. My guys did not understand that working here in Mordor, that religious talk is political talk, and it's dangerous. Now, they didn't know that, but I know that. And so you can relax. We're not going to pass out any books. <laughs> my guys, when I told them that I was going to say that, my, my team had said, now, 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 Strider, we can't say that. Strider, we, we've got to be able to pass out books, man, because that's why we're here. We've got to share the gospel. And I said, guys, less than 17% of the people in Mordor can read. I'm not going to get kicked out of the country passing out books that nobody can read. We will go and we will share our stories. No one can stop us from sharing our stories. And so they said, well, okay. So we went. And so I made the promise not to pass out any more books. The next morning, we got up early. It was Ramazan, meaning that all of the people there in Morador were not going to eat or drink while the sun was up. So we got up at 3 o'clock in the morning. We ate and we drank. And then the sun came up at about 5. And from 5 in the morning until about 6 o'clock at night, nobody ate or drank anything. Now, we could drink because we're not Muslims. But nobody was going to serve us any food. There wasn't any food to be had, so we didn't eat all day. I limped, literally limped, down to the river that morning, and we waited for the raft to come across with all the wood and cement and the things that were needed to replace those flour mills. And we waited, and we waited. And then finally, across the river, just 50 yards away, you could see them, the truck came, the raft came and they set up the raft. Uh, they set up all the materials and they got it ready to send across, but they didn't come. And then finally, uh, Mary comes down to the bank and he shouts across the river. They won't let us cross. We need some more permissions. And we're going to go back into town and get those permissions. We'll be right back. Okay. So we waited. 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, they come back. We can't come. Sam gets up and goes down to the river. And he shouts, Get over here, now! And Mary calls back, No. They said if anybody comes across this river, they will be arrested. And Sam called out, We agree! Get over here, now! Now I knew that that walk up over that mountain had hurt me, but I didn't realize how bad it had hurt Sam, because you realize that if those rafts don't come across that river, 50 yards across the river, then we don't get to go back across that river on those rafts. And if we don't go across the river on those rafts, we have to walk 25 kilometers back up over the mountain. We really didn't want to do that, but they weren't letting anybody across. And so they put away the boat, they put away the stuff, and we slowly walked back up the hill. As we walked back up the hill, I looked up to the sky and I said, Lord, I know why you want me here tonight, but you are going to have to give me the strength to get back over that mountain in the morning. We walked back to the house, back to Saeed's house. We gathered in his room, and now here came everybody. The sheriff, the commander, the mayor, the teacher, the student, Everybody's gathered back around in the room again. 
12 or so guys, and they start in on us. How come you can't do this work? You guys really don't know what you're doing. You know, the Aga Khan can put stuff across the river. Why can't you put stuff across the river? You must really be a dork. You must really be incompetent. And they said, how long did it take you to walk here anyway? I said, well, it took about five and a half hours. And they said, oh, it only takes us three hours. What's wrong with you? Yeah, okay, okay. Yep, you're right. We're morons. <laughs> and I just stood there and I took the abuse because I knew I had no defense at all. And I knew that there didn't need to be a defense at all. We had done our best, and our best simply wasn't very good at this point. And I was not going to try to defend ourselves at all. So the conversation went on. Now, in this part of the world, a lot of drugs get tra trafficked across right there. And these guys know all about drugs, and they know what drugs can do to a human body. And they began to say stuff about drugs and about trafficking drugs and the results of drugs. And they're all laughing and joking about it. But we were with Pippin. And Pippin had a really powerful story to tell about drugs. God had saved him out of drugs. And so I looked at Pippin and I said, Pippin, have you told these guys your story? He said, no. I said, go ahead. And everybody was very interested that I had said something like this. And so they all looked at Pippin and Pippin began. That years ago, he had been a drug addict, taking all kinds of drugs and as he talked about his lifestyle and the drugs he took and the things that he did, they were all laughing along with him. He said, and then I became helpless and depressed and I wanted to die. And so I decided that I would just kill myself. And so I took a lot of drugs, enough that I knew it would kill me, and I laid down on the couch to die. And as I laid there and I could feel my feet and then my legs get very cold. And my hands and then my arms grew cold. And the cold just seemed to creep up my body. And I knew I was slowly dying. And as the cold creeped into my chest, I thought, where am I going to go now? And I was terrified. I didn't know where I would go now. But a friend of mine had been telling me about Jesus, had been telling me about God and his love and his grace. And so I rolled off the couch and when I hit the floor, it woke me up enough that I was able to get up on my knees and I cried out to God for him to save me. And in that moment, he saved me completely. I was saved from the drugs. I've never taken drugs again. And now I'm here serving in Jesus' name. And as he shared this story, the guys in the room were dead quiet. Silence ensued the end of his story. And then one guy said, Hang on, are you saying this drug addict has come here to help us? And the local sheriff looked at him and said, Shut up, this man has repented. Now they had never heard a story like this before. They knew what drugs could do to a man. But they'd never heard of a man who got better. So this was an amazing story. Slowly though, they all filed out until only the house owner and his nephew, whom I call the student, because he was one of the only guys in the village who could read, were sitting there. And as they sat there, the house owner leaned forward, and he said to me and Sam and Pippin, Who is Jesus? And Sam leaned forward and said, Who do you think he is? And the house owner said, I don't know.
I, 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 I've never heard any stories about Jesus. I don't know anything about Jesus. And so Sam, being one of the very best evangelists that I know, began at the beginning and shared for two hours about Jesus' life and his ministry, his great love and compassion, his tremendous sacrifice at the cross and his death and his resurrection and that he's coming again. Over the last 20 minutes as Sam was talking about Jesus' sacrifice, the house owner was leaning forward, listening intently, but the student was sitting there with his mouth wide open in shock and awe. And I was going to make a joke about catching flies, but I didn't want to break the moment. And so I waited, and he finished his story, and we all went to bed. And the house owner slept in the doorway with his gun, he said, to protect us. I wasn't sure it wasn't so we wouldn't get away, but he said it was to protect us. And then the sheriff came by three hours later at three o'clock in the morning to take us back over the mountain. We got up, and as we came up out of that deep, narrow valley up on top of the mountains, a shooting star, in fact, a fireball, whistled overhead. It was dramatic and beautiful. I've seen two fireballs in my life, meteors that burn incredibly hot and bright and whistle as they fly past. I took it as a sign that God really loves me and he's really going to get me over that mountain. I walked up and over the mountain. We stopped for breakfast along the way at a friend of the sheriff's house. We went on and we got across the bridge finally and then at 10 o'clock in the morning we were there in the little regional town capital that um, that the guys were uh, trying to get one more stamp in so that we could send that stuff across. I wasn't tired at all. God had totally strengthened my body and enabled it to get up and over that mountain. And we went to a guest house where we were going to lay down while Frodo and Mary continued to try to get the paperwork done so we could put stuff across that river. As I laid there, I realized that I, I just couldn't get to sleep. As I lay there praying, Jesus began to speak to me in a very real, personal way. He told me that he loved me, which was really good news after nine days of failing to do this project. And then he told me a really interesting thing. He said, listen, you want to go and you want to be the hero. You want to walk into these villages here in Middle Earth and show everybody how rich and powerful you are, how you can do things for them that they can't do for themselves. But I won't let you do that. My gospel of the cross is going to be told with authority by those who live a life of the cross. And I asked him, I said, okay, but are we going to get that stuff across the river? And then for the first time in that conversation, he seemed to grow quite angry. And he said, I will never share my glory with the Aga Khan and you will not use his raft to put stuff across that river. I said, okay. So we got up, and I told Frodo, I said, dude, we're not putting that stuff across that river today. He says, no, no, I think I can, I can talk to one more colonel. I think, I think it's going to work. I said, no, no, God said it's not going to work. We're going to go home now. So we drove back home, and as we drove back home, uh, even though for nine days we'd been driving around and trying to get this job done and we, we were kind of going home without getting the job done, and yet we were joyful. 
man, the guys were just singing songs in the car, and we were so joyful going back. You know, two weeks later, we did get that stuff across the river. What we discovered was that nothing crosses that river without a bribe. And since we were an international aid agency, they were afraid to take a bribe from us because they might get in trouble. So they wouldn't ask us for any money, and nothing could cross without money. Therefore, we couldn't put anything across. So what we did was we got our Mordor friends to come across the bridge. We gave them the money. They went and talked to the border guards. They made their own wraps out of inner tubes and pieces of wood and got all the stuff across. We did get pictures of it from a distance, but they didn't let us come close because we weren't supposed to have anything to do with that. And so the aid got across the river, and the flour mills got built, and the canals got fixed. A year later, we were going down that road towards the regional capital, and we saw our friend, the good, good friend, the house owner, Saeed, there on the road. And we said, hey, how's it going? And he said, it's going very well. He said that he and his nephew, the student, and two other guys listened to a radio broadcast in their language for 15 minutes every day about Jesus. Is that a church? I don't know. But I know that we had the authority to talk about Jesus that day because we had failed. Sometime later, as I was thinking about this story and thinking about what had happened to us and what Jesus had said to me that morning, I read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 about Paul and his own experiences with going to the Corinthians. Paul says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest upon the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, we all want to see the power of God in our lives. Uh, We read this verse 4, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, and we pray for people to be healed. We pray for people to see signs and wonders, to have dreams and visions. We pray for these things. But actually, the road to these things is right here in front of us in verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. See, we want to get to the spirit and power, but we really don't want to get there through weakness and fear and much trembling. But that's the road. That's the road that Jesus went down as he went to the cross. It was a fearful road. He prayed in the garden with great drops of sweat. And it wasn't fun and it wasn't powerful. He didn't call down his 12 legions of angels to overcome everybody. No, instead he went to the cross. And we are followers of Jesus. And if Jesus went to the cross and were followers of him... Why are we surprised (laughs) when we end up at a cross with troubles and difficulties and weakness and in fear? And yet, in the weakness and the fear, we are going to see the demonstration of the spirit of power as we proclaim the message of the cross by living a life of self-sacrifice, a life 
of the cross. I pray, God, that I will have the courage to live such a life in His strength and in His power. Amen. This has been Meditations from Middle Earth. May God be your ever-present teacher and richly bless you on your journey.